everything that we did seemed to be for entertainment, um, other than school. <laughs> it wasn't much entertainment in that. But I just felt really strongly like you need to let go of what you knew and receive now what you're learning, right? Because if we keep, if we keep going with the old, what do we get, right? So why do we settle? Why do we settle, right? So there's a verse in the Bible that talks about wineskin. And so this is a, a legitimate prophetic word that God is giving us as a church and certainly people here. Um, it's going to be impossible for him to do something new in you if you keep holding on to the old. So you need to change out the wineskin to receive the new wine. So there's a harvest coming, and if you're not ready for it, if you haven't cleared the old grain bins out, you're not going to be able to receive. There's not going to be enough room in there. Right? And what happens? You either throw it on the ground and waste it. Right? Or what? Or you leave it in the fields. And it's not much good come next year. And so we're in a season, we're in a season in this church for sure where things are getting rewritten, Amen. right? They're getting rewritten and, and it's a really good season to be in. And, and I know that some of you are, are in a scary season because God is working in you and you don't necessarily know what that looks like, right? So what does it look like? And you want to have all the answers. I want to have all the answers before I receive what you're giving me, God. And God is trying to tell you, just receive. Amen. Just receive what I have. If you have faith in me, then receive what I'm giving you. Right? Get rid of the old wineskins. Get rid of the old belief systems. Get rid of some of the old funky stuff that's stopping you from growing. Redefine what is fun and learn to have fun in the Lord. Because... And I think it came just so much to me as we were singing because I remember where I once was and I'm so grateful that God has brought me to where I am. And I still see things that I'm holding on to and I don't know why I'm holding on to them. And God is telling me like, again, I'll tell you guys that I don't care if you're here or not. I mean, I do, but I don't. Like, because every time I preach, every time I come to the pulpit, every time I'm learning and I'm growing. So it's a bonus if you guys get anything out of it or not. <laughs> like, like that's just a, a bonus. And it's a blessing, don't get me wrong. I, I, value, I value each and every one of you. But know this, that God is talking to me as well. And the message for tonight comes out of a place of hurt in my heart. And I have to change some things. And you guys have been hearing me drone on for this for a year. And I don't know if you know this, but I'm a stubborn man. No. Uh, you don't say. I did not ask you to chime in. None of you. Y'all just keep that. Y'all just like, like y'all just, y'all just keep. Why can't I get an amen with a good point? You sit there like church crickets saying nothing. But I talk about me being stubborn, y'all like, hey man, hallelujah, that's right. <laughs> right, y'all become southern, 
Y'all become this southern black church. Everybody, hey man, hallelujah, preaching pastor. Right? Y'all just kill me sometimes. I love you guys so much. It's stupid. <laughs> but God is calling us to redefine fun. Amen. What does it look like? So we went chasing after one thing, and now we're in a season where, where the things that we once thought were normal, we're getting this realization in our hearts and in our minds that they're not normal and they're not okay. But yet something inside of us wants to hold on and pull us back to where we once were. Right? Like, why get drugged through the mud one more time? Don't do it. If you don't let go of the rope before you get to the mud puddle, you're going back through the mud puddle. Right? You ever watch Tug of War and there's that knot in the middle? You're the knot in the middle. You're the knot in the middle. And why are you going to get drugged through the mud? Just let go. So God is wanting to do something. And so as we receive communion tonight, he did this for us because something changed. You see, Jesus is the new wine. His body and blood are the new wine. And he's doing something in us. He's creating a new wineskin out of us, from us, that as we receive, we're able to receive what he has for us, how he's trying to grow his church, how he's trying to grow his beloved sons and daughters. You see, because he can't do it if you're holding on. That old wineskin, the old belief system is restricting. How many of you guys feel restricted in your spirit? Like sometimes you're just like squeezed so tightly by some of the stupid stuff that you do and you just can't let it go. And you're like, God, why can't I just let this go? What in the world? I'm going to go out on a limb here, and this is not from God. This is from Pastor Fred, from my years of experience. You're not letting go because you are familiar and comfortable with that spirit. You are in agreement with a familiar spirit that is haunting and taunting you. It is a tormenting spirit that God wants to deliver you from. He says, freedom in my name, freedom in my name. Do not agree with that spirit. Do not agree with that spirit anymore, but receive my spirit in you. Amen? Amen. So Jesus, on the night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. He blessed it and he gave thanks. And he said, this is my body, broken and given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup and he blessed it. He gave thanks and he said, this is my blood, the blood of the new covenant shed for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Hmm. How can that little thing taste so good? That little wafer with no flavor, that little juice, tastes so good. You see that you see that the Lord is doing a good thing, amen. Who needs to get up and go coffee? Okay. 
Is this thing on? Is the wireless on? Ready? Ready, check, check, two, three. Because I want to sing a little something, something. That's right in your, your seat backs. Everybody know it or got the doxology with you? It's in your seat backs. So look ahead of you in the chair in front of you. Yep, you can pick it up and you can look at your flyer, your bulletin as well. Yeah, Joe, do you want to kick all those lights on, bud? I think we need them for the camera anyways. But um, if you guys would indulge me in singing with me the doxology. And again, we, we sing the doxology not because that's what we do here. We sing the doxology to give thanks and praise to God for that is the right thing to do. For that is holy and that is a righteous act. Amen? So if you would, please. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise him, all creatures here below. Praise him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. All right. Man, I love him. I, I, this generation, they talk about being off the chain, and maybe that was last generation. I'm late on the times, but... They talk about being off the chain and that's just being crazy cool and crazy awesome. But if you want crazy cool and crazy awesome, search no farther than J-E-S-U-S. -S. Right? Like, oh boy, it's just like ridiculous. Think about all the stuff that he did. If you know the Bible at all, then you know the stories about Jesus, right? And just how awesome he is. And like I said before, I thought it was all hogwash. It was all just a bunch of garbage, bunch of malarkey, whatever. Why would I believe that stuff? So I virtually hated a God I didn't believe in, which makes no sense at all. And now that I'm Christian and been walking with him for 14 years or I guess maybe 16 years um, with sobriety, clear thought and clear judgment, clear mind, uh, about 16 years now, holy cow, oh boy. Oh, no. <laughs> I think about what I've done and where I've been and the things I've seen. I think about the blessings in my life. I have an incredible wife who's incredibly patient, and I hope that her patient never wears thin, because uh, I can hope. That's called faith, right? Um, because I'm learning how to be a husband. Um, and that's one of the strongest desires in my heart, besides being, well, that, being a strong Christian, a good pastor, a good father, a good friend, um, all of which I never thought I'd ever do, right? So this is all, all relatively new. In the grand scheme of my life, this is pretty, pretty new, and so I love him. He's, he's absolutely crazy. So family, we've been talking about family. This is week five. Uno, dos, tres, cuatro, cinco. Cinco. How do you say Saturday in Spanish? Sabado. Sabado. Cinco sabado. So that's our fifth. How would you say fifth? Like, not just five, but fifth. And now we're live on Facebook, so if you tell me wrong, 
then people are going to say, oh my gosh, that's not it. <laughs> right? Hey, Google, how do you, but it's our fifth, our fifth Saturday on family. How many of you guys had the perfect family growing up? How many of you guys could look and say, yeah, man, I, like, out of families, like, dude, mine was just incredible, perfect, marvelous, glorious. I don't, didn't take one bad thing away. Well, that was the question. <laughs> well, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> right? We can have good, but it's not perfect. And, and out of family, we grab on to things. Some of us grabbed every negative thing that, was, that came across the pipe, right? Oh, oop, I want that negative thing, and I want that negative thing. We didn't even know we wanted it. And now that we get older, it's like, why did I grab that? What, am I, what did I do? And so I told you during, uh, during uh, communion that this message comes from a place of my heart, where my heart is broken, right? And God's really working on me, and today he worked on me through C.S. Lewis. I was on the way to Stoughton. I was on the way to Stoughton, and he was talking about um, youth ministry and how to love people. How to love kids, right? You know, we have a 14, 17, 20, and 23. I came in way late in the game, and guess what? I screw that up too. And it's about my perspective, and it's about belief systems, but I have to get in the right mindset, the right heart set, so that I can do something different, right? We talked about new wineskin because God wants to do something new in me. And so if I, if I do parenting the way that I was taught, and if I see everything that, I, that I've been trained to see, and all I can do is point those out in a certain way, then I'm going to get the same results that my parents got. And so when I get upset, because guess what? 14-year-olds still still drive parents nuts. Love her to pieces. If anybody ever hurt that little girl, I, would, I don't know what I would do. I, I hope that I could pray. If anybody ever hurt any of those children. So now I got to look at myself. And what do I do to these children? What do I do to these children and how do I act? And so each and every one of us have relationships that we get into, and it might not be with children necessarily, but it could be other family members, it could be people at work, it could be all these things, and so we have these relationships, so what are we bringing in? And I'm gonna use my relationship with my children to help illustrate and show, and I hope that in the midst of it all, you see that I'm hurting. I'm hurting, and God is convicting me of all my failures, and he's showing me where and how I can do better because I need to do better. I need to do better for God. Amen. Right? Like Jesus died on the cross for these children who don't always act perfect. But guess what? The guy looking at these children with a magnifying glass isn't perfect either. Does that make sense? You hear what I'm saying? Like, I can look and I can spot and I can... so. We were, we were made to do a lot of things around the house. Anybody ever do a lot of chores? Did you have a lot of chores when you were growing up? 
Like you need to do this, 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 and this, and this. Have you seen children nowadays and what they do? Video games, TV, and Do they do this, 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 and this, and this? How would they do with our parents if our parents came back and started raising our children, how would they do? Bad. They're, they're be accusing the parents of the Both. <laughs> right? So it's a whole different generation. It's a whole new scheme of things. So C.S. Lewis is talking to me today about youth ministry, and he says, you have to recognize that the people, these children that you're trying to reach, if they don't know Jesus, they're dead. Amen. What? So, what can you expect from dead people? <laughs> right? So even if, even if a child has said, yes, I know Jesus, and they do baptism, they do whatever, right? They're going through the motions, they're, they're kind of hand-fed some stuff, and, and gosh, you, you want to, with all of your heart, you want them to have that relationship be real, right? And maybe for a minute it is, but then maybe it wanes, right? The world is calling them and tugging them and pulling them, just like it does with us, right? Each and every one of us is tugged and pulled in some direction. In some direction, we're tugged and pulled so that we're not necessarily walking with Christ in that way. Does that make sense? Like... Are you understanding that we are holding people accountable to a measure by which I am judge, jury, and executioner, and they don't necessarily know what I know, and I'm still judging them according to my wit and wild. How do I teach them? How do I teach anyone? How do I love you guys? How do I love each and every one of you guys when each and every one of you guys is different? Each and every one of you have specific needs based on specific beliefs. Sometimes you go, oh my gosh, is this are you serious? Right, like you ask yourself that question. Like, am I really having struggles with this? I don't want to ask anybody. I'd be embarrassed by that. I do it virtually every day. Virtually every day, I'm, I'm absolutely amazed at how I don't know how I even breathe. Right? Like, oh my gosh, really again? Knucklehead, what are you thinking? <laughs> right? And so I have my own issues. I, I had to call my wife and apologize on the way into church tonight. Can you believe that? That I'd do something I have to apologize for? Oh, yeah. Anybody's bubble just go. But I thank God that I have the guts now to recognize when I'm wrong and that I can ask for forgiveness and my wife will give it. Right? She knows my heart. So all these relationships, all these relationships that I'm trying to work through and, and each and every one of you have relationships that you're trying to work through. Each and every one of you guys are at different stages in your life and you all have your different, your different things going on and, and a lot of them are based on the trauma that you gained from back then. So remember two weeks ago, I think it was, we talked about how everything that you hear today is filtered through what was yesterday in regards to tomorrow. 
And so we do that. And so we need to grab this new wineskin. We need to grab this new wineskin and put in something fresh inside of it because it tastes so sweet to drink of the fresh wine of Christ. And so we need to recognize that without a real relationship with Jesus, many of the people that we're talking to are dead. And so how can I hold an expectation to someone who's dead? How do I do that? Is that insanity on my part? Like, is that just crazy for me to think that I can hold somebody who's not there to a measure or to a standard? Can I do that? Does that make sense or is that just ridiculous? But if I understand that maybe my 14-year-old needs me to figure out how to love her, how to cherish her so that she can hear, even when I try and she's like, <laughs> right, 14-year-old girls? You know how they are, right, Rachel? It wasn't that long ago. You remember how you were? Yep, just the absolute perfect angel child. Well, this is, this, these are the things, like, what are, we, what are we doing? And like, is her relationship with God real? I don't know that. I don't know her heart. I would love to think that it is. How about our 17-year-old? Does he really know Jesus? Does he have a relationship with Christ? I don't know. I want to, I want to find out, and I want, to, I want to be able to sit around a campfire, and we can all hold hands, and we can play Jesus music and, and dance and frolic in the autumn mist and, you know, just have all that fun, and, and it would just be this beautiful thing, and we could, we could make s'mores, and it'd be, it'd be wonderful. Sing Kumbaya, whatever song we want, it'd, be just, it'd just be glorious. Right, I had all these hopes, dreams, and visions like they fought us before we got married. Like, yeah! Well, now it's not quite as loud. <laughs> so here I am. I'm a pastor, and I have this relationship with God. How's my response? What do I hold me up to? So if your household is dead in their trespasses, what can you expect from them? What can you expect? Because if you are stuck in your sin, you're stuck in your sin. You're getting to a point where you're justifying, rationalizing, basically becoming okay with it. Anything that you might have learned from God is now pitched out the window and you're taking residence in the sin. You are virtually or literally dead in your trespasses, dead in your sins, and so how can I expect you to act perfect. You see, it's on me to transform my way of thinking, right? How do I, how do I instigate change? How do I help people who don't know they need help to get help? Well, that's one certainly good reason, or so one great way. But does it always work? Do we always see the fruit? Do we always see it? Do we always go to prayer? Or do we have the right answer tonight? And then tomorrow, it's like, blah, 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 blah. if you're me, it's tomorrow. Blah, 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 blah. And it's when I pop off at the mouth and I'm 
tearing out of the driveway or doing something stupid that I'm like, God just goes, boy, what the heck's the matter with you? Would you get a grip? It doesn't shut this thing. That's a great, it's a cute, well, we'll get you some duct tape. But it ain't, it ain't doing it, it ain't doing it for me. It ain't doing it for me all the time, right? So I got to get to that point. And so how do I bring change? Is it best for me to lecture, to discipline, to do all the things like I was trained how to do? Like bang, bang, bang. I'm going to whip you into submission. You will have your spirit broken and I don't care because you're wrong and I'm right. Done deal. We're over. Discussion over. Go to your room. Give me your phone. Everything gone. Just done. You see, because I got all that, plus I got beat. That's what I know to do. But praise be to God that I don't do that. Praise be to God that I have a loving wife who's like, I think that's a little much. So we were starting to have conversations about, about stuff and meaningful conversations, and hopefully we learn to just keep it going and work through the stuff. Right? But it's tough because I don't know what to do all the time. I only have what I knew to make decisions on how to handle it today. But praise be to God that I'm not the same person I was then. You see, I'm a new person and I need to learn to receive the new wine and put it in the new wineskin. So how do, how do you create change in a world that doesn't want change? Can you change your expectations? Or what can you change? What can you change? Because what good is it doing? Like many of us are ending our lives early because we're carrying all this anxiety about stuff we can't even change. Or maybe we could change it if we change the way we're changing it. You see, for one child a good spank on the butt, all it takes is one. For another, it takes 12. And for another, it takes a long walk down the road and spend that special time. Some will tell you to go find a rope and urinate up it. Get out of here. I don't want anything to do with you. It's like, but son, I just want to talk to you. We need to discuss this. How about somebody at work? Right? We had a conversation at work the other day, and abortion came up. And he, he gave me the, my body, my choice. And I went through my 30-second spiel. And he said, well, what, 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 changed it. I didn't have to get mad at him. I didn't have to yell. It's a, it's a hot button for me. But God is helping me to see things differently. And so depending on my relationship, that can transform some of the stuff. So um, Israel's God sets the ideal, the standard for human behavior, and the most frequent biblical words for sin is hamatema, or something like that, meant originally to miss the mark, to fail in duty. So you had a law, right? So we have rules that we operate in, rules for our households, rules for all this stuff, and that's the law. And so the Israelites had this law that they had to follow, and if they didn't follow, they were deemed not good enough. What's going on in our homes? What's going on in our relationships? Who's setting the law? Who's setting the standard? What's actually going on? And you know, I use, this, I use my relationships to show you how I fail, but what am I doing to myself? 
What am I doing to myself underneath those same laws? Am I beating myself up every time that I feel that I've failed or fallen short? Right? Am I walking in the grace of God or am I holding myself to the law? What am I doing to me? Right? How many of you feel horrific when you failed at doing the next right thing? Right? Like, you just get convicted in your heart, and you're just like, man, I screwed up again. How many times are you going to hold yourself to that? If God is the standard and your family and friends do not know God, what do you expect from them? Where does the burden actually fall? Sometimes. Sometimes I wish it wasn't always because our families would be all together and we wouldn't have a problem. Right? We could speak our grace and our peace and our love into them and, and everything would be solved. And when they felt they were having a problem, then they would just come a running, right? And it'd be perfect and wonderful and great. That's not how it works most times. Praise God that we have those moments where God... God shows them like, hey, just come on back home for a minute. Talk to mom, talk to dad. And, you know, we have those moments and their hope is restored. And we're like, yes. I remember the first time one of, one of the kids said, I love you to me. I'm like, yes. I finally reached that place. They love me. All the problems are over. One down, three to go. Yeah! <laughs> oh, silly, silly, man. And then I'm reminded of me growing up, and I'm reminded of, you know, and I keep, I keep weighing it. Remember, I said that I keep weighing things off of what happened back then, so that's the thing that everything's filtered through. The information I received today is filtered off of something then for tomorrow, and so... I think about it, and I think about how I was to my stepdad. And then I weigh it in, well, I'm not beating anybody. Right? Like, my stepdad, if you feel right here on my chest, you'll feel a segment of rib cage that was broken, snapped off, and is now over here in the middle from my stepdad, and that's how he showed love. He broke three ribs here, snapped this, Fat lips, black eyes. And I still came to a point before he passed to forgive him. But I don't need to repeat what he taught me. Right? And I need to remind myself of these things in the heat of the moment when something is tearing me up. I had a great day today with our, with our girl. TV's blaring. I'm trying to study. Went downstairs, knocked on the door. I could hear the girls in there. <laughs> TV's cranked. They won't answer the door. Knock, knock again. I'm not beating down the door or nothing. <laughs> TV goes down. What? I just sat there. 
and just sat there. Yeah, the tone was a lot better when I didn't react. And I said, hey, I'm trying to study. Can you guys just keep the TV down? Oh, yeah, we just turned it down. Yeah, I know you did. When, and I didn't say this. But yeah, I know you did. When you heard me knock on the door, you knew what it was about. And, I, and then I just trucked upstairs. Five minutes later, TV's cranking. I'm all the way across the house. It's, it's blowing so loud that I can't focus on what I need to focus on. And I walk back downstairs and I knock, hey, can you please just keep it down? I got stuff I got to do, please. Oh, I'm sorry. Well, the way I was raised, too late, Charlie. I'm in the door, I'm ripping the TV off the wall and throwing the thing out in the yard. Anybody grow up in that house? <laughs> right? Like, <clears throat> like that's just... That's just the lessons we learned. So regardless of what filter you're filtering all your information through, you have those things. And it doesn't have to be, right? Some of us didn't have a room. Amen. And so, and so it's tough to do. And so we, we need to, instead of, instead of holding these kids and these people at work up to expectations, how are we building the relationships? You see, we, we need to look at ourselves as well. See, because all have fallen short, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. Amen? All of us. La-di-da-di, everybody. So this has to equal out the playing field a little bit, and why am I, why am I puffing up myself, thinking myself better? And these are the things that God keeps reminding me of, is that, Fred, you messed up yourself. You weren't exactly perfect when you were that age. Romans 7, 5, For while we are living in the flesh, our sinful passions, aroused by the law, were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. Yeah. Life in the law leads to death. Right? But you don't even know that you're sinful until somebody tells you a law or tells you a rule. Right? So here I am coming into all these relationships, new to Portage over a couple of years, and certainly new to the family, and, and they've got their way of living and the things that they've done for years, and I'm the new guy in town. How do I set a new standard, or how do I speak to them in a way that's going to edify and help them to understand why? Right? That's, that's a big piece. Like, why am I the way that I am? Why do I handle things at work the way that I handle things at work? Why do I handle things the way that I do? What do you expect from dead people? Romans 7, 13, did that which is good then bring death to me? By no means it was sin producing death in me through what is good, in order that sin might be shown to be sin and through the commandment might become sinful beyond measure. It was not the being forced to be good. It was not behavioral modification, but heart transformation that allowed dead to see the sin for sin and good for good. You see, <clears throat> until people understand your heart and they understand why you're calling them to do something, why you're asking them to participate or, or to help out or to do all these things, how are they going to understand? Like, am I taking the time to actually pour in and edify and love? Am I 
taking time to nurture the relationships, even the brief moments that I get from closing doors, I don't want to talk to you, and the doors close in your face, and you want to just shove the door open and say, you will not do that again. I'll take the door off the hinges. Right? And you'll have no door. And we'll see how you operate with that. But what does that do? Does that edify? Does that build up? Does that encourage? Do we take the time? Now, I got to figure out with my wife, we got to figure out how we're going to take the time to help bring some changes. You see, because they're 14, 17, 20, and 23. How are we going to take the time to help them to grow into this relationship with God? They've all been baptized and professed to love Jesus. They're all great kids, but they've had their own things that they filter today's information through. And then they respond in a certain way. Every relationship that you have has something that happened back here. Right? Abe, I heard you talking. You didn't have a TV. You didn't have, I didn't have a TV. We had a bedroom, but we didn't have TVs. But anything that you had would be thrown out. But me, when I was a kid, when I misbehaved, I had skip out and switch off the tree. Right? <laughs> that's that's old school that's old school so so if we can look and see where we are and how we're handling things and how we deal with things and understand where we came from and that the things from yesterday until they're healed and we're delivered from them are still going to be positive or negative impact on today's information moving forward so how do I deal with it? How do I deal with every relationship? How do I deal with it? How much, how much do I give each person in my life that I'm in relationship to? How much space can they take up in my emotions to allow them to have a negative impact on my life? You see, I don't have to. I can understand where I came from, and I can change for today, and I can do the right thing. And it might not be happy and healthy for you. You don't have to understand it. But for me, I'm healed from this. I don't have to be angry. So I need to look back, and yes, I said I've forgiven my father, and, and maybe there's some wounds back there that still are hurting me, right? They're just things that are hiding way, way back. And so then... I can be easily triggered, but God said, be slow to anger and sin not. But then it says in the word, do not cause your children anger. What am I doing? You see, I need to work on the heart of our children. I need to work on the heart of everyone and every relationship that I'm in. I need to help them to understand that like, we can sit here and we can spitball and we can throw anger and frustration at one another all day long and we can talk about how right we are and do all these things, but what good is it doing, right? It's not doing us any good to be in these kind of fights. Sometimes we actually just need to zip it. I'm taking an hour. We need to walk away, right? And then I need to come back to it. So I've always been a verbal processor. Well, guess what doesn't work real well when you're married? Verbal processing in her face. Anywhere in the room. She's come to understand that, well, he just says stuff, and then, like, it's good to go. Like, once it comes out of my mouth, I can, I can typically hear how stupid it is. Anybody else like that? 
Like you just say something like, well, that's dang stupid, boy. Holy buckets. Like you wish you'd have kept that one in. Well, now when you have a wife or you're in a relationship with somebody or you're near other people and you, you talk things out, they don't always understand stuff, what's going on or what's happening. Right? Does that make sense? And so like I need to learn and I need to grow and I need to figure out like, okay, I got to go process. I got to walk through this and I need to come up with a new way because it's, it's Christ in me that has raised the dead man to life. And if I allow the dead man to open his mouth, I'm going to get dead man results. And why do I want to keep getting those results when I know what they do? Right? My wife deserves more than to hear me process. I will guarantee you that. And yet, it's like, Fred, just shut up. Just shut up. And it's, but it's tough. It's absolutely tough. So Romans 3.24 says, justified by grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. You see, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and have been justified by his grace as a gift. There's something new that Jesus did in me. See, the old man is dead and the new man is alive. And I, need, I too need to learn how to walk in the new man. How to walk in the new man. It's been 16 years and I still stumble and fall on my face. And every time something new comes around, then i got to learn how to receive it. Right? Because sometimes, sometimes parishioners just feel like, like, it just feels like you're just getting hammered constantly. And every one of them, I love, I love, I love, I love, I love working with parishioners. I love working with you all. I love talking with you. I love sharing your life. I love all these things. It's truly a blessing. And then you hear something that, that hits you upside the head. And you have to learn how to process through it because that's a new one. I've been called some pretty horrific things by some pretty amazing people. Anybody else ever have that? Have somebody say something against you? That's like, man, I would have never expected that out of you. <clears throat> and so I might be right to be angry. I might be right to be hurt. But what is my response? What is my response? How do I do it? Sometimes if somebody is just continuously hurting me, I need to step aside. I need to address it in reality and be willing to take the chance of losing that relationship. It hurts me when you say that. It hurts me when you do this. Right? Anybody been called out to, on hurting somebody, inadvertently hurting somebody? How does that feel? Yeah, sometimes it's a punch in the gut. Why does it hurt so bad? Because that's not the person you are. That is not who Christ raised from the dead with him. You see, praise God that you feel that. And now you start to get into this learning and growing thing. And you start to understand that it's Christ who lives in you. Not that spirit of death and darkness that you used to dance with. The one that ran your life back there. That's not the one you live in. You live in the Holy Spirit. You see, we're spiritual beings. Amen? And we need to recognize that. 
So the same as you always do, do not allow the character of darkness to grab hold of you and take you to the dark side. Stay in the light, stay spiritual, right? So how do we do that? What's that one you said earlier? What do we do to stay spiritual? You said pray. It was a good answer then, it's still a good answer now. So I'm drawing on it. (laughs) All right, and so last week when Paul was here, he talked about praying in the spirit. Did anybody receive their prayer language last weekend? Okay, we got a couple. Yours got deeper, right? Right? And it's pretty, it's pretty amazing. And so even if you don't speak in tongues, you can still pray, right? And tongues is just that extension where when you don't have anything left to pray, when you don't know what else to say, like you've exhausted all your words, but you don't feel that fullness, that thing in your heart, you can pray in tongues and you can feel the Spirit fill you. You can feel that wine filling you so full and so deep and so pure. And so we do that and we know not what we're praying, but God knows your heart and he's, you're having this direct conversation with him and not knowing, but somehow you're feeling relief. God is feeling blessed, right? How does it work like that? But if you define fun and if you define life the way that you used to, you'll never understand it to be something new today. Amen? Like it has to change. We have to, we have to receive that new wineskin to receive the new wine, to receive what the Spirit is wanting to do in us. All right, so Romans 8, 26 and 7. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. What would happen if I sat, what if I happened if I sat in quiet in my home and I hummed? So I pray and I pray and I pray and I'm just, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, whatever. Whatever it is. What if I sat in silence? Can God hear your heart in silence? Right? Is God honored and blessed by that? You see, it's not just about changing your behavior. It's about that heart transformation. Because when you know that you have nothing to give and God can fill you, that spirit can be activated in you, there's something that's so filling and so moving and such a blessing in you, and it's just by spending time with God. So when the troubles and the struggles of the world come, that processing, I hope that it's not just walking away. I hope and pray that it's coming out to the farm and walking the prayer walk in the woods, right? We have like a, a I don't know, eighth of a mile or more. It's, it's kind of a rough trail this year, but next year it'll be better. But you're welcome. We're going to put in parking, like one or two spots where you can come and you can park and you can just walk around the woods and just walk around the woods and, and meet with God, right? And pray to God because there's. Amen, Craig. The levee is amazing, right? Like right next to the river, it's beautiful. Right, and we can just get to those places where we can pray. If we can stop ourselves from reacting, right? So this whole thing, how do you deal with dead people? How, what's your expectation of dead people? Well, if we know they're dead or we don't necessarily know their walk, can we just, assume, let's just, without judgment, just say, you know what, 
I don't know where you're at spiritually. I don't know where you're at with God. I know that I'm madder than a wet dag burned hen right now and I'm about to pop off. So I'm going to take an hour. I'm going to go pray. I'm going to pray to God. And I'm just going to go hang out and I'd love to continue this conversation with you. Right? What would happen? How would things change? Right? We're setting an example. We, we see that we can get angry. We see that we can get upset. We can see that we have these things. We can see that the Spirit of God moves inside of us. So when he says, shh, we actually, shh. We say, look, I gotta, I'm going to go away. Right? And we go and do something else. Hopefully pray to God. Oh, that's what it should be about. What's that? Sometimes I can miss it. Yeah, I think we all can, can't we? Right, so Colossians says, walk in wisdom towards outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. Right, so here we are. We need to be seasoned with salt so that when we're talking, we're not losing our business. We are actually, by the power of the Holy Spirit, taking control of the situation. How many of you guys have ever been walked on in your life? Like, or felt like, oh my gosh, if I don't say something, if I don't get control of this, I'm just going to get walked on. Well, what happens when we actually take control by the power of the Holy Spirit and we actually speak life into a dead situation? Right? You've all got those people that you argue with, and then all of a sudden they just get your dander up. Right? And what happens when you say, look, I can see this is elevating to a not good place. And we go with God on, the, on that, right? Can we do that? So the last slide, 1 Thessalonians 5, 23 and 24. And this is, uh, this is a benediction because I want to I wanna end and I want to, I really, I, I really want to change some things up at church. And I really want to start doing a benediction to close because certainly as we just receive the stuff, like how many of you was this message easy for you to hear? It was easy to hear? Was this message an easy one? Right? So for me, it's tough to give because it's me up here sharing my, my everything sharing with you my struggles, sharing with you my failures, right? Because I fail and I suck at things. I really, really do. Each and every one of us fail and suck at things. We could like, and if we just get it together and understand that we are in the same boat, right? And God is sanctifying us each and every day and we can learn and we can grow and we can celebrate life together. God is faithful and he'll bring transformation in our lives. And then we, we close it up because as we open up our hearts to receive the word of God, we pray over this building for protection, but sometimes if we leave our hearts open, something negative can come in. Right, and we, we want to seal those up. We want to seal, we want to seal up our hearts, we want to seal up our spirits by the power of the Holy Spirit, and we want to just say a blessing over each and every one of you. And we're better to get it than the Word of God, right? And so he says at the end of First Thessalonians, 
Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. So I just want you guys to know that I love you. I don't share these messages lightly. I don't. I can't. But I know that God is calling this ministry to be a healing and changing ministry in this town. Right? I can feel and sense, and it's been prophesied over this church, that we will work with other churches in this community. That's why when I tell you that we are not going to discredit any ministry in this town, period, but we will rather pray. When we see our brothers in sin, we will go to our brothers. We will pray for our brothers. We will, we will help them any way that we can, right? We are going to be a change agent in this community for Jesus Christ. And before we even get to the community, we are going to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, right? Through prayer and supplication, presenting our lives as an offering to God and receiving his blessing, a newness, a freshness in him. Amen? Because that's where the good comes in. That's where the gold of the gospel is, is in Jesus Christ, right? He is so beautiful, so incredible, and he loves you so abundantly. Thank you guys for a very long service. Uh, it's, not quite, it's not quite like Africa, but it's getting close. So I love you guys. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart, and I pray that you are all blessed. Amen. Have a good night.